If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Ulaanbaatar, the city of the red hero. My old stomping grounds. Uh, unfortunate to hear the news coming out of Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. There's a great song by the Mongolian, Chinese Mongolian rock traditional band called Hangai Band. That's H-A-N-G-G-A-I. I've got their music. And um, there's a song called Ulaanbaatar Nights. Really, really good stuff. Um, a lot of war news. So you've had the Deputy Press Secretary of the Pentagon um, say, uh, no, Pentagon Press Secretary come out and say, we're not at war in the Middle East. So what war is peace. We're bombing, uh, you know, so many countries, but we're not at war. There was a great tweet I caught today from one of my past guests, Asil uh, Rod, uh, where she said, where is it? The mental gymnast, the mental gymnastics it takes for the U.S. to bomb four different countries within weeks and say it's not a, a, at war. She was commenting on Loki, who said in the first month of 2024, Biden has already bombed Yemen, Iraq, Syria, and Somalia. So war is peace. We are not at war, says the Pentagon. Meanwhile, Houthis announce operation against U.S. forces in Gulf of Aden. Today, a clash with several destroyers and U.S. warships who tried to protect two U.S. commercial vessels occurred in the Gulf of Aden and the Bab el-Mandeb Strait. But wait, U.S. Navy smacks down Houthi claim that ballistic missile hit American ship. He said, she said, they said. <laughs> it says, uh, uh, so what's going on here? This is the information war. A lot of schizo foreign policy news here today. Foreign policy reports today, America is planning to withdraw from Syria and create a disaster. Uh, they say that um, with while no defini definitive decision has been made to leave, four sources within the defense and State Department said the White House is no longer invested in sustaining a mission that it perceives an, as unnecessary. Active internal discussions are now underway to determine how and when a withdrawal from Syria may, may take place. Meanwhile, again today, maybe this is one of the reasons they're leaving. Um, three U.S. bases attacked in Iraq and Syria attacks carried out with the use of missiles and drones also being mentioned today US begin to begin talks with Iraq on troop withdrawal soon so we're seeing uh, attacks against the empire in Iraq and Syria escalating and as well as in the Red Sea coming from Yemen and now it looks like the empire maybe is pivoting to leave Syria and Iraq and probably pivot to Tehran or Taiwan or both. Um, they're crazy enough to do that. Um, they also launched airstrikes in southern Somalia. The first bombing of Somalia in 2024. Um, so, you know, the folks over at Anti-War, Dave DeCamp, are keeping track of that. John Bolton comes out and says, it's beyond time Biden acknowledges Iran is behind all the violence in the Middle East. It's clear to me that Iran will not stop unless they are held accountable, and that hasn't happened. Biden must stand up to Iran before it's too late. John Bolton wants to get this party started. And he's not alone. Nir Barkat has told The Telegraph 
Uh, Iran is now a legitimate target for Israeli missile strikes, uh, senior minister says. So, yeah, a lot of people want to get this party started. An interesting analysis from uh, Moon of Alabama, who talks about New York um, Times propaganda for war with Iran. Uh, he says uh, Moon of Alabama breaks it down, says it seems like everything happening in every groups in the Middle East is assumed to be Iranian backed. But, you know, neither Hamas nor Hezbollah nor Iraq militias nor the Houthi are Iranian backed. They're ally. They are allies of Iran and each other, not proxy fighters. He goes on to say that um, these New York Times pieces are made to prepare the public for an, an inevitable war on Iran, a war in which the U.S. would likely suffer another defeat. Uh, what else we got going on? The Iranians are saying that the scope of war is now wider. Thus, risk of expanded war is up, according to Iran's foreign minister, saying the likelihood of triggering, triggering a broader regional war in the Middle East has um, increased. And he again blames U.S. and Israel. He attributed the escalating tensions to U.S. and Israel. And uh, Financial Times, again, this is interesting from today. U.S. urges China to help curb Red Sea attacks by Iran-backed. Houthis. That looks pretty weak. That's a weak sign there that the U.S. has asked China to urge Tehran to rein in Iran-backed Houthi rebels attacking commercial ships in the Red Sea. And they've seen little sign of help from Beijing. Lavrov, strong words as well. He says um, that U.S. policies in the Mideast caused yet another tragedy. Not a single undertaking of the U.S. improved the plight of a country in the Middle East that was attacked. Some countries are virtually non-existent now, says, says um, Lavrov. Uh, in, in the European theater, Poland and Lithuania to hold joint military exercises around the Suwalki Gap. That's over by Kaliningrad. And this is pretty crazy, as if things couldn't get any worse. Here's a sign. Apparently, Ukraine is considering psychedelics as a way to improve battlefield performance. Uh, this commenta commentator says the Zulus took some form of intoxicant to overcome their anxiety of running with spears directly into British rifle volleys. Feels a little desperate um, now. They're uh, saying Ukraine should be using psychedelics to improve battle performance. Not a good sign. And uh, yeah, that's most of the interesting news. Eurasian countries interested in transport routes independent from West, says Lavrov. Uh, all right. If you miss your favorite TNT show or interview, you can always listen back, watch back whenever you want. Uh, just go to the episodes on the TNT Radio website. We're also on all the major podcast platforms everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean. There's no reason to miss anything on TNT. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Russia has accused Ukraine of deliberately shooting down a Russian military transport plane that was carrying 65 captured Ukrainian soldiers to a prisoner exchange in what it called a barbaric act of terrorism that had killed a total of 74 people. Here with the story joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. Thanks, Sir Rory. This is sad news. Um, the Ilyushin IL-76 is a military transport aircraft 
designed to airlift troops, cargo, military equipment, and weapons. It usually has a crew of five, and it can carry up to 90 passengers. Well, uh, there was one of these, the IL-76, that according to Russian state media was carrying on board six Russian crew members, three guards, and the aforementioned 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war who were on their way to a prisoner exchange when this plane was shot down near the Russian city of Belgorod by Ukraine. Uh, Andrei Kartapolov, a lawmaker in Russian's parliament and a retired general, said in a TV interview with an outlet by the name of Shot. There's what he said, quote, it was absolutely deliberate. They knew very well that the plane was en route where it was going and the operators of Ukrainian surface to air missile systems cannot mistake transport planes for military planes or helicopters as targets. It was done deliberately to sabotage the prisoner exchange, end quote. Mr. Kartopolov said the plane was shot down by three missiles of either U.S. or German manufacturer. Uh-oh. If the details are confirmed, it would be the deadliest incident of the almost two-year-old war inside Russia's internationally recognized borders. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, Ukraine's defense ministry did not immediately reply to, in this case, Reuters' requests for comment. Uh, it was cited by the Interfax Ukraine news agency as saying it did not have any reliable information for now, but would share when it did. Um, let's see. Quote, comments will come a little later. Time is needed to clarify all the data. End quote. Thus said Mikhailo Podolyak, I can never say his name, Mikhailo Podolyak, a Ukrainian presidential advisor, uh, when speaking to Reuters. Ukrainian media outlet Ukrenska Pravda initially cited military sources as saying Kyiv had shot down the plane because it was carrying S-300 missiles, but later quickly corrected the story, saying that information had not been confirmed by other sources. Video posted on the Telegram messaging app by Baza, a channel linked to Russian security services, uh, showed a large aircraft falling toward the ground near the village of Labnova, Yablanova in the Belgorod region and exploding in a large fireball. Uh, Reuters said they could not immediately verify details of who was on board, but Moscow and Kyiv have regularly swapped prisoners since Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022. It is a report from Reuters in what it calls a quote-unquote special military operation. <laughs> um, since then, I believe the foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, uh, came out. He was at a press conference in New York on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, some hours after the incident, uh, he says that Russia is requesting an emergency session of the U.N. Security Council to discuss what took place. Um, he accused Ukrainian forces of shooting the plane down. Uh, here's what he said, quote, by committing this terrorist act, the Ukrainian leadership showed its true face disregarding the lives of its citizens, end quote. Uh, and apparently, according to RT, speaking to reporters at UN headquarters, Lavrov's, Lavrov said that he had urged the Security Council's French chairmanship to grant the meeting without delay. Apparently, he said, quote, we do not 
we do not we do not want to repeat the situation of April 2022 after the staging of Bucha end quote uh, which is a reference to the uh, supposed massacre of Ukrainians by Russian forces <clears throat> excuse me which Ru Moscow insists was staged by Kiev in an effort to draw international support at the time the British chairmanship of the Security Council refused Russia's request for an emergency sitting for 72 hours. So that's where we're at right now. And I think Ukraine has yet to to make like some real official comment about this, unless I missed it. But what do you think, Herboy? I, I think it's pronounced Mikhailo Podolyak, I, I, I would say. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, this story I saw in the morning, the, the opposite version of the story, that it was Russia who took down this plane of uh, uh, Ukrainian prisoners of war, and now we're seeing the opposite side. It's really pretty crazy. This this um, uh, info war, and and you know, you always got to wait a while, let things marinate to kind of wait for news to be reported uh, differently. And this is something you know, totally something Washington, London, Brussels, and Kiev would do. It uh, rockets really at this point. It's like Monty Python meets. Dr. Strangelove. It's like blow up Nord Stream, uh, we blow up Critch Bridge, uh, we kill Daria Dugina, uh, we blow up the, our own Ukrainian prisoners of war. Uh, you know, it's really, I mean, it's it's dark, tragic comedy here at, at, at this point. And I think we're just a few steps away from World War III. Um, ruckus, uh, you know, it's flashpoints everywhere and i think they're going to take us to war i mean everyone's preparing countries are doing these simulations um and and uh modernizing their militaries and it's just like a matter of of time it's uh they're wondering you know where should we start the party should we should you know should we do it out there in ukraine taiwan the middle east um us mexico border but anyways your further thoughts on, on what what's uh what happened with Man. the with the chopper War is completely different from the way I thought it was growing up as a kid and learning about this stuff in the history books and then seeing what was passed off as uh, these long versions of wars out in the Middle East with Operation Desert Storm and the Afghanistan thing and all that, right? We've gone from like normal like rules of engagement where it's like usually supposed to be soldiers killing the enemy's soldiers to soldiers killing the enemy's civilians to soldiers accidentally killing their own soldiers and civilians while trying to kill other soldiers and civilians and now just straight up killing their own prisoners of war that were on their way home. What on earth is going on, dude? I think maybe it's time we all kind of like rethink this war thing, Herbori. I don't know. Just saying. Can we give peace a chance? Anyone? You know what's going on is the Hannibal Directive. And you just made me think like the Israelis have been killing their own troops and civilians in Israel. Um, and now Ukraine is doing the same thing. I guess if we just continue along that trend, you know, the U.S. will be killing its own people and troops, which it's done before. Um, and so I, I did before letting you go. There was this quote from Robin Monotti. Uh, this morning on his Telegram and Twitter, he's, he, I don't know if this is a real book. If it is, I'm going to have to get it. The Great Class War, 1914-1918, World War One, by Jacques, um, Jacques Powells. But Robin says, this is what the World Economic Forum, CIA, want to repeat in our times. Stomp them. This time, it's the globalist, uber 
oligarchy against everyone. So I think his point, again, they want to start a world war to attack the middle class and then finally for them to be able to establish themselves permanently as the neo-feudal um, aristocracy. Well, uh, all right, Ruckus, let's have a, uh, have a great evening, catch up with you. Tomorrow we got Lynn Taylor of CommonCoreDiva.com coming back. Feel free to call in. We'll be right back. TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois. And this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT. The Irish government is proposing a law known as the Hate Speech Bill that threatens free speech. This law could have dire consequences for our democracy. This law will have uncertain effects on artistic and musical expression. It could stifle the activity of public campaigning on political and civil issues and also curtail speech relating to topics about religion, ethnicity, sex and gender. You could even be jailed for possessing documents, cartoons or memes on your devices, even if you never read them or intended on sharing them. Mere possession could make you a criminal under this law. Help stop this law. Visit www freespeechireland.ie forward slash take action to bend the hate speech bill. The conversation continues. I don't believe it and I think that's a terrible position that I am in that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's been a while. Returning to the show is Lynn Taylor. Check out her website, commoncoredeva.com on Twitter X uh, there as well. She's featured on other podcasts and programs uh she, she writes original analysis there looking at the un the intersections of the united abominations um unesco the sdgs globalism and all that fun stuff how are you doing lynn i am absolutely fine Havore. how are you this evening doing pretty good and and before sort of continuing on i just thought i'd mention this story i just popped up today i, I was kind of doing what I did yesterday as a result of you coming on, just putting in the Google News search SDGs right. to see what pops up. And I think this is right. related to the stuff you cover. This is just from today. It says, right. kudos 
launches major SDG study and Kudos works in the area of research and academia. And they go on to say that we're trying to explore uh, awareness, attitudes and needs among researchers, universities, funders and policymakers by they, their point is to integrate the SDGs. It says, for example, how is funding being influenced by the SDGs? And then really, it's like they want to wrap everything in these rainbow SDG colors. Oh, absolutely. And part of what we will talk tonight will address uh, financial uh, coercion to uh, Mary to the SGGs uh, so that they can be propped up even more because Lord knows they're not being shoved down our throats hard enough. No, we have to, you know, have our money. Screw us six ways to Sunday. And and so where where did we leave off um, from yesterday? We talked Let's about see. transport. I think mm -hmm. I think where we left off was we were going to talk tonight about the upcoming events that are on the UN calendar. I know last night we talked about transportation and art and housing and things like that. But, you know, let's think back to last year, Hori. We did a show. Uh, I can't remember exactly which one, but we went over the six transitions, the investment pathways to prop up the sustainable development goals. And so I know we've already talked about that, but if you'll remember, that was when New York City was chosen to have those holographic drone images of the Sustainable Development Goal rings hover over the city. And we also know that at that particular meeting, the uh, Secretary General for the United Nations says, you know, oh, we've got to use 2024 to just put the hammer down on everybody for these SDGs. And so... We know, let's see here, where was it that he said? Um, okay, quote, to resolve to make 2024 a year of building trust and hope in all that we can accomplish together. And it went on to promote the September 2024 uh, assembly that is going to be happening. Well, I went and found the particular document from September, and I know we're going to have to do headlines pretty quickly. So what I will do is I will just bring this up and then we can do whatever else we need to do. But in that particular September document, uh, it says here that they are going to trot out a pact for the future that ha will have an introduction in at least five chapters. And in those particular chapters, it's going to be sustainable development as well as financial uh, usage for the development, international peace and security, science, technology, in, innovation, and digital cooperation, youth and future generations, which is where education comes in, and finally transforming global governance. Yeah, this is going to be, um, I couldn't pull it up now. Jacob Nordengard mm -hmm. writes on this as well. I've interviewed him. He's in Sweden. Um, right. What you just mentioned is this is a defining year. I think, and moment for us, mm -hmm. for the globalists, because at these this meeting and, and others, they're going to be setting into stone their diabolical dystopian um, schemes. Uh, one right. of them uh, includes building, there's this movement now to create a, a parliament at the UN. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, mm -hmm. I like the word simulacra that Michael O'Fallon uses in Sovereign Nations. It's a simulation of a democracy, which it's, it's, it's no such thing. And so they want to add this parliament. Um, and uh, I was reading, mentioning today, democracy without borders 
Now I've interviewed one of the their their founders without him knowing I was anti-globalist, but I wanted to just get his views on globalism. Right. right. And he's really pushing world parliaments, uh, and the UN Parliamentary Assembly is 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 part of that. And in one of the recent articles, they say, uh, imagine that one day there could be global elections. So that means us voting yeah. for the world government. And they say that the idea of a world parliament and global elections is being spearheaded by democracy without borders. And that the yeah. core demand is the establishment of a parliamentary assembly at the UN is a step towards the development of a global parliament, a world parliament, a one world parliament that's elected by all world citizens. And that's what you were talking about yesterday. This oh, you, yeah, you read this thing citizen, about global yeah. citizenship mm -hmm. because they want a, literally a world parliament where all of us from Mexico to the US to Australia would vote for our you know ministers and representatives for the world um government pretty pretty crazy what do well you, think? you know that'll go right hand in hand with that un international court of justice which is a kangaroo court in itself um you know if you look at the jurisdiction that they have it's absolutely mind-boggling the things that they say that they can rule on and the things that they can set up parameters for that's not what courts of justice do but that's what the un's is doing and you know the united states funds a lot of the activity that goes on in that international court of justice and well a lot of these people um that that promote these ideas you know the, the, a lot of them do drink the kool-aid they, they believe it you know they're well-meaning i think uh a lot of these people like at mm -hmm. democracy without borders but i just can't it, it just doesn't make sense for me if we've got national governments that are so corrupt and you toss them into one bag, as G. Edward Griffin would say, you shake up the bag. Right. And you're going to get this magical one world government that's not corrupt, that's honest, has integrity, that brings dishes, doles out justice. I, I don't see that happening, Lynn. That's about like saying, okay, yeah, I got beachfront property in Kansas. No, you don't. You there's It's impossible. It's yeah, it's just defies, uh, I think, all the laws of physics. We're going to jump to our headlines. TNT Radio News. I have some exciting news. The TNT, this is James O'Neill. Jeff DeWitt, the chair of the Arizona Republican Party, resigned from his position following the release of a leaked audio recording by DailyMail.com. This recording revealed DeWitt offering Carrie Lake a significant job or financial incentive to withdraw from politics for two years. On Wednesday, South Korea's military reported that North Korea launched several cruise missiles towards the Yellow Sea. In Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, a tragic incident occurred when a truck carrying 60 tons of liquefied natural gas collided with a car and exploded near a market early Wednesday. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. We're talking to Lynn from CommonCoreDiva.com, also on Twitter x and and just before continuing i wanted to ask you again we may have mentioned this in the past but 
when you and I talk about SDGs, 17 right. of them, there, you know, I've worked at the schools where I've worked, uh, they would be on the walls. We would be mm-hmm. forced um, to do the model United Nations right. and into integrate SDGs in the curriculum, or at least begin to move in that direction. Um, how would you explain to a normie, so to speak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the SDGs are bad? Because if you look at them on paper, they sound right. okay. They got pretty colors, unicorns, roses. They smell wonderful. Um, you know, I, I I think this is a question we have to ask ourselves constantly, and we right. try to put it into practice. If this topic comes up, you know, how would you explain to someone who's not aware of the 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 wizard, the 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 evil goblin behind the curtain? Um, that, That's that, an excellent that's, question. Okay, yeah, well, um, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna try to answer that. Let's see here. If I okay, let's pretend that you don't know anything about them, and I would just say, you know, I understand that the UN has got lots of plans uh, for where we live, how we work, what we learn, what we eat, uh, how we take care of our world around us. But would you rather? you come up with a way to do that or would you rather be forced into compliance that is way beyond your comfort level or your belief system? Do you think you could do that? That would probably be the most basic approach that I could give to someone because what that does is it gets them aware of, okay, yes, we are, we are concerned about what's going on, but do we want to have a choice in it or do we want to be forced into it? And I think that is what people need to understand is that these goals do not give you any choice whatsoever. They remove your rights. They remove your ability to think for yourself, which is what is so dangerous about them being taught in school. And, you know, on my blog, I've got the color psychology. Uh, I've got all kinds of information about how these have been woven into not just our daycares and our K through 12 education systems, but through higher education, through back to the school programs for those who've been, say, incarcerated, or maybe they've been out of work for a while and they're going back to community college or, or, or whatever secondary post-secondary education system that you have in your different countries, because we know this is an across-the-world straitjacket. And the, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I I would just add my own. I was thinking about how I would answer. Um, mm, okay. I, and I, I would I would look at perf- some specific examples. You know, some of the seventeen SDGs. Uh, well, first mentions the the corruption, like that. Some mm-hmm. of the leaders of the EU and UN, like they tell us free speech and privacy. Like oh, they, they want to read all of our emails, but you know, Boris Johnson and um, Ursula von der Leyen. Uh, are involved in these corrupt deals dealings with pharmaceuticals and they they erase their whatsapp messages um mm-hmm. to hide their corruption so they're corrupt so are we supposed to now believe them but you know so as you mentioned i think one came to mind i'm down here in mexico you've got goal for education and right. you know here in mexico you still have a lot of freedom you can homeschool the government doesn't care you don't got to vax your kids government can't do anything about it they don't really care but i've heard the mexican government say for example that there will be a right to education which will mean that you will not have the right to not educate the way that we want to. Exactly. So like ultimately they they say 
you would be forced to send your kid to public school mm -hmm. where they and they you know you wouldn't be in the long term this is their idea maybe oh, yeah. they wouldn't want outlaw homeschooling um private schooling um or or or, or stuff like that so uh, you know, I would use that as an example or, you know, SDG number two, zero hunger. And then you've got them saying the UN saying, look, we're going to take away our, your meat. They, they last month, they said mm -hmm. that uh, mm -hmm. they want to replace it with bugs. And then you tell an army, well, does that sound normal to you? I don't think John, you know, John Kerry, Klaus and Bill Gates, they're eating their fancy steaks and flying on their planes. You're going to be the one eating the bugs. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting because if you go to the UN's calendar, if you just type into whatever search engine you use, UN calendar 2024, you can get an eyeful of all the different meetings and all the different conferences that are about to come up. Now, April is going to be a huge month, not just for transportation, as we were talking about last night, but environment, especially the ocean. And what is going to be happening? That one's going to be happening up in Canada. And what is going to be happening with that one is they're going to create, and when I say they, the UN and all their partners are going to create very straight jacket laws for what happens to our ecosystems. So you need to watch for that one. The one in September is also going to be one to watch because that is actually going to be the General Assembly's 79th session. It's going to start around September the 10th and continue almost the entire month. But there are two days, the 23rd and the 24th of September, where they're going to have what's called the Summit of the Future. Now, this is also going to tie into the Global Futures Forum in May of 2024 that's going to be held in Nairobi. Germany is also going to be having some sort of meeting this year as well. And what happens with this summit of the future is it's going to tell you, oh, we are going to accelerate the SDGs as if they've never been accelerated before. Now, one of the things, there are going to be seven themes. So indulge me for just a moment while I get my notebook. Okay, uh, let's see here. Seven themes, global economy and financing architecture. So it's not going to be that we're funding buildings. It's how we're going to orchestrate finance to marry to the sustainable development goals to shove them down our throat. The second one, human rights and participation. Uh, number three, development of the human rights and participation. Well, part of human rights, according to the United Nations, especially for the Children Declaration, is going to be that education is somehow a basic human right. No, it is a privilege. It is not a basic human right. A basic human right is drinking water, breathing air, and eating food and having shelter. All right, the um Fourth theme, global digital compact. Number five, environmental guidance or governance. Number six, peace and security. Because there's nothing like a totalitarian system that's going to bring peace, huh? And then finally, the UN's government governance and its innovation. So this is going to bring in tons and tons of Orwellian AI for us. It's also going to... Uh, prop up the fact that there's going to be a trustee councilship that's already in existence of Lorde that they're going to repurpose. 
because after all, it's going to impact our oceans, our atmosphere, and our outer space, as well as Antarctica and all the seabirds. Yeah, and a number of things that you mentioned, I think this is important, and I've been looking at this for years now. I think mm -hmm. at Davos, they may have recently commented on this or may have been folks from the UN like Tony Guterres, uh, but the AI factor, AI and governance. So you look at these meetings that you mentioned, now they're talking a lot about AI governance. governance. I read one of the white papers the other day this week, or mm -hmm. the summaries talking about how important going forward AI is going to be for governance. And the term here is algocracy. So it's ruled mm -hmm. by algorithm. Nick mm -hmm. Bostrom and other thinkers who are freaking about out about the end of the world, these ex existential risks that they look at, like climate mm -hmm. change, asteroids, um, nuclear war, and their solution is always world government. And they, in their own words, call it technocratic totalitarian world government. They use the word algocracy, rule by algorithm, AI. So right. and they want to get rid of nation states and pol uh, politicians and then mm -hmm. use their quantum computers to run the government. That, that's right now it's coming to me. Klaus Schwab is the one who said um, in a statement that we, we don't want, uh, in the future, we don't need democracy or governments. We're just going to have the AI, the, the software run uh, things. It's going to be programmed the way that we like with our biases, but you know we're going to sell it to you as it's, it's, it's neutral, right? Uh, AI, like chat GPT, right? Doesn't have a woke bias. Exactly, exactly. Well, here's what I want to point out since my expertise is in education. Meaningful inclusion of young people. This is from the Summit of the Future and what they're going to be talking about. Youth participation and consequently trust in decision making is expanded and strengthened through dedicated national youth consultative bodies, a global standard for meaningful youth engagement a framework to track their progress, avenues for youth participation in UN decision-making processes, and a standing UN youth town hall. And of course, they're gonna data track the stuffing out of you, stick it on AI and say, oh yes, it's all good, fun, and wonderful. But we need to understand that the European Union, NATO, and several other related organizations are going to be participating in these particular meetings as they have for decades. We also need to understand that part of that global financial system, it says here, the architecture or reworking of our financial system will invest upfront in SDGs, climate action, and future generations with global economic governance. So when you talk about a world parliament, this is where we're going to see the wheels start to, to turn into that. International public finance, a global financial safety net, as well as a global taxation scheme. All right, we also have on here, uh, let's see here, the UN 2.0. And that goes back to a show you and I did uh, where it was talking about the UN we want. And that was where they were grooming all their employees who work at the UN for, okay, here's how you're going to go out and be that UN disciple to the rest of the world. And a, a number of things there. Um, first off, you mentioned what you mentioned, this new economic governance and, you know, Patrick Wood, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I've had all his, I've got all of his books. Um, I've I interviewed him. him yeah. At, yeah. At least twice I've interviewed him. He is recovering. He had a health issue. 
Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I, I did want to say he talks a lot about that. The Trilateral Commission, uh, you know, right. one of the key forces be, be behind technocracy for, since like the 70s, they've been talking about this new international economic order. Um, mm -hmm. And th with the youth, you know, I've had John Kleizek on. I've, I've hung out with him back home in Chicago. A real cool yeah, dude. He, but mm -hmm, he, he, he talks about, uh, yeah, he's really good. And he talks about how one of the places that where they're first trying to implement the um, these systems is with the youth in schools. They're building the social credit system in the schools mm -hmm. uh, with mm -hmm. a lot of these um, softwares, learning management systems that they're using. I was guilty of that as a um teacher but uh and uh, who was i having that conversation with uh was i, I can yesterday i think on, on tnt somewhere here that the youth um no i was on a podcast this morning canadian bitcoin uh <laughs> podcasters and we were talking about this how the focus is the youth um you know gary yeah. robson the yeah. professor i talked to on technocracy this is his thesis is that they need to get a a, a certain portion of this young generation to buy into these systems if they don't they're going to fail. So it's the onus is on us now, parents, to um, keep our kids from entering into the matrix or, or, or our neighbor's kids or our, nef our nephews and nieces from being plugged into the matrix. It's time for our break. Uh, Lynn, again, the website, commoncordiva.com. Be right back. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready. Because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our final segment with Lynn from CommonCoreDiva.com. Time flies. Uh, again, people can leave questions in the chat, um, email or call in. And um, yeah, well, um, further thoughts on the meetings, uh, the defining moments that we're going to witness this year when it comes to globalism. Well, you know, before the break, you were talking about how uh, the youth need to be spearheaded. And what I learned in doing a lot of research on these particular meetings, and I've got you know, tons of notes that we haven't even gotten to, uh, but that's beside the point. The point is, as I learned about one, um, did you know that the United Nations spearheads for 18 to 30 year olds every uh, few months, peace boats? 
Now, these peace boats go on voyages to different places around the world to steep every one of the attendees in that age group in the SDGs and their youth program. I did not know that. Now, the 2024 voyage will be taking place. It's, it's in progress right now. It started on the 20th of January, and it'll go to the 10th of February. And they're going to Patagonia, as well as uh, Chile, Argentina, and then Buenos Aires in Argentina. It costs $5,000 just to get on one of these UN peace boats, but you're going to be able to learn all about how these non-government organizations partner with the UN to brainwash our 18 to 30-year-olds into this is all fine, great, and wonderful. And one of the things that I wanted to point out uh, that will also be woven into this summit for the future in September is what's known as a new agenda for peace. This says here that it is a multilateral effort for peace and security based on international law, Havore, for a world in transition. It also will outline extensive and ambitious sets of recommendations that will recognize interlinked nature of many of the challenges that we face. Because after all, at the core of this new agenda for peace will be trust, solidarity, and universal belief. These are the foundations of the Charter for the UN and of a stable world. Twelve concrete sets of proposals for action in five priority areas. Hang on just a second. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. So with that said, the first one is the prevention at a global level that addresses strategic risks and geopolitical divisions. I figured you'd really like that one. So what does that mean? In common language, we're going to go after the nuclear weapons and then boost preemptive diplomacy so that there's no more division. Number two, preventing conflict and violence and sustaining our peace. There are going to be, uh, here's one of the actions. Accelerate the implementation of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development to address underlying drivers of violence and insecurity. Transform gendered power dynamics in peace and security. All right, the third one, strengthening peace operations and addressing peace enforcement. Okay, I'm going to address peace and then enforce peace. Does that sound very peaceful? No, it sounds more like a bully. All right, the next one, novel approaches to peace and potential domains of conflict. Well, this is where they're going to go after your weapons. And then finally, strengthening international governments, which is building a stronger collective security machine. And, and, and you know, I, I, I did want to just go back. Um, what you mentioned uh, right before this is the, the I'm still blown away. <laughs> I did not know about this. The Peace Boat thing. And I'm looking at their website, peaceboat.org. Uh, yes. It's like, wow, Japan-based international NGO, and it says guided by the UN SDGs, peace boats, global voyages, uh, and people can go look at these voyages. They've got one coming up in three months in April, August, mm -hmm. December, mm -hmm. April next year. They're typically they've like 100. And, they've had 115. The one they're currently on is their 116th. 
And they go through, it takes about 100 days. They go through so many countries, Japan, China, Egypt, even here through Mexico, Canada, oh, yeah. Alaska. Um, and basically, I guess you 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 pay to indoctrinate um, mm -hmm. yourselves. Oh, you can get a scholarship so. if you're too broke. Yeah. Pretty, so if you can't if you can't make it on your own, they'll pay you a scholarship. But now this new agenda for peace, here are the countries that are involved. I hope you're ready. <sighs> Austria, Belgium, Brazil, China, the United States, Croatia, Colombia, Cuba, Finland, France, Georgia, Greece, India, Iran, Ireland, Japan, Kenya, Mexico, Morocco, the Netherlands, Norway, Pakistan. Portugal, Qatar, represent, uh, excuse me, the Republic of Korea, the Russian uh, uh, Federation, Senegal, hang on, I'm not done, Switzerland, Syria, Thailand, Ukraine, and the United Kingdom. Now, also, all of the countries that are belonging to the G7, the groups of defense of the UN Charter, and the group of the Friends of Responsibility to protect the United Nations. Uh, there's I, I don't know how we keep track of all of this info <laughs> that's why um, i write so many notes <laughs> yeah it's almost like a full-time job but um mm -hmm. all, all, yeah, all these meetings are now we're going all, all on all around us i still haven't been able to keep, uh, catch up with davos from last week uh, i um tim hinchliff uh of sociable who i've had on he was just recently on children health health defenses um uh program giving summary notes of what went on at davos um and i, I did just want to add what you mentioned earlier again in my search from today sdgs you, you mentioned environment and again they're coming after they want to control the water resources mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i just typed in sdgs and you get um from a couple months back the sdg knowledge hub first islands water uh, congress and so they're they want to commodify water uh, yep. and, and then through all these, they, they want to tokenize resources and that's how they'll be able to control them and the prices and access, I think ultimately access right. to water and food and clothing and education and all of the SDGs. Th this is the thing, you know, I, I, the, earlier today, biometric update posted this story about how 11 Caribbean countries are implementing biometric digital ID for inclusion, but it's the opposite. Uh, it's, oh, yeah, they're going it's to determine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you get to get included, if, if if you don't follow the UN religion, right? Right, exactly. And and this is what is so damning about it being so interwoven, not only in our education systems, but in our communities. And this was one of the reasons why I wanted to raise awareness about, look, it is so around you that you don't even see it, but we've got to see it so that we know what to fight. And you, when you say it's all around us, you know, you, you go to like places here in Mexico, um, businesses, banks, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll see, we, we see all this stuff. It's, it's there, the, the sustainable SDG mm -hmm. rainbow, um, colors were about, uh, four and a half minutes to midnight. Um, you know, other thoughts, the, the bulletin of atomic scientists did announce yesterday that, uh, in their annual review that they're going to keep us at 90 seconds to midnight, a minute and a half to midnight to doomsday. So I, I guess that's a good thing. But, um, you know, any other thoughts here? I just want whoever hears my voice to know that 
whether you really understand this or you really don't, all you have to do is keep talking with folks like us. Get us on any sort of platform because the more we can share what we know, the easier it will be for you to better understand what is going on right under your nose. And, you know, if you want to be that ostrich that sticks their their head in the sand, I can't stop you, but I would encourage you to get your head out of the sand because you have your family to protect. You have your personal freedoms at stake. And once you lose those freedoms and once your family is ripped from you, what is there? Life under the blue helmets. Um, yeah, they're the, what you'll have soiling green. You'll be eating people and <laughs> living in your pod. Um, I, I did also want to mention, you know, there was this article I mentioned earlier, Eurasian countries interested in transport routes independent from the West, says Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov. And yeah, he says things that are accurate when it comes to geopolitics. But at the end of that article he mentions, he says, given the factor of the global warming and the very close prospects of it uh, becoming a year-round shipping lane, he's talking about the Northern Sea Route, which right. the Russians and Chinese are... Uh, taking advantage of which is good perfectly fine but again even even the multipolar world plays into the whole un stuff yeah, it, uh, the yeah, russians yeah. the chinese they're going along fully with agenda toward 2030 saudi arabia they all have you know russia has vision 2030 saudi arabia has vision 2030 so you've got sdgs and then their own national vision 2030 um, and so Every, well, even your to towns do. Your towns do. In fact, I'm going to a meeting tomorrow here in my town because they have this this new vision. Well, I've already seen what their vision is, and that's how I got to looking into some of these things that are right under our noses. So again, look at the town meetings, look at the town budget, look at the grants they're getting or the, the, the government money that they're getting, and what is the purpose? And are they giving you a true chance to weigh in, or is it one of these meetings that we like to call Delphi, where they come in, pose the problem, Oh, we want your feedback because you're a citizen and you matter. But they've already made their mind. They just get it, get you in there to go through the emotions that you are somehow participating in what's going on. And it's a slick willy move if ever there was one. But this is why it is so important to use your citizen power to know how to stand up to those type of meetings because you can band together and and actually make a difference. And, you know, I would urge you, look at Tom DeWeese on the American Policy Center. He's got a wonderful project going um, called Freedom Pods. Uh, look at Citizens for Free Speech with Patrick Wood. He's got some absolutely wonderful resources out there for you to use. And you don't have to be in America to take advantage of these. You could be anywhere you're facing tyranny and use these tools. The, and, and the Delphi technique, what you mentioned, that's very important. I learned about that a long time ago. It's the techniques that they use on us where 
Mm-hmm. They they get you to agree to the solution that they had from the beginning, but make Absolutely. it seem like you got the, you got there on your own. And oh, so, yeah. Always, mm-hmm. always great chatting with you, Lynn. Real quick, where do we find you Thanks. on the Internet? Uh, CommonCoreDiva.com. If you wish to financially bless any of the research that I do, please hit the donate button. And I thank you so much. And Havore, we will be chatting very soon about something, I'm sure. Indeed. And I'm signing <laughs> off. Steve Malsberg is up next. Don't touch that dial. Be seeing you. <laughs>